The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. I don't think that was a particularly bad impersonation of Leanne Mateis after having read that sting early on. Good evening, South African song as on the viewpoint, 26th day of August, 2019. It's a Monday. We are here leading the conversation together with my co-host for this evening, who needs limited introduction to persons who like the color red, EFF's Treasurer General. Good evening, Leanne Mateis. Good evening, and thank you for having me on your show. To- no, thank you for calling me on a date to co-host your show. I just want everybody to to know that all I have on this date so far is a bottle of water and it's a no-name brand. Yeah, I like to keep things sober and <laughs> thrift is a way to go. We're in conversation and my co-host Leanne Mateus, listen to this, the Treasurer General of the EFF. She, pref- she refers to herself as an accidental politician who came to politics through a passion for social activism. The EFF was the first political party she joined and this happened because of Marikana in 2012. Before that, she had come back to South Africa from her studies in the U.S. and Australia, where her family had moved, Australia, that is, Melbourne in particular. She joined a community-based project organization in in, in Inguavuma, a rural area mm-hmm. in northern KwaZulu-Natal. The organization was then called Inguavuma Orphan Care. They have changed names since then. She ended up working for another organization called Food for Africa, where she did program development and fundraising for a number of similarly-based rural organizations and community initiatives. A hand or a round of applause, rather, for Leanne Mateis. Yay! Welcome, Can I Leanne. Clap for myself. <laughs> you may. This is Thank quite an you. interesting journey. It's quite an interesting how you got all this information about me, stalkers. We pride ourselves <laughs> in our research. Thank you so much, Lesejo, and thank you so much, Vanessa, the thank two you. producers. And we might as well, in the context of producers, talk of also the sound engineer, Mr. Phineas Dawane, the technical producer. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us, Leanne. I'm not so much interested in the stuff that you did in the country. Because we will always get to that, and I'm sure it's going to come through in the line of questions that you're going to engage our guests on later okay. this evening. Let's talk about the U.S. and let's talk about Australia. First, you went to Australia, late yes. 80s, early 90s. Your family yeah, moved you to Australia. You want to start showing my age. You can just, let's declare now how old I am. I'm 47 because he's just fascinated, like he can't Extremely believe Extremely fascinated. <laughs> that I did high school. So Leanne tells me she did high school somewhere in 80-something. I'm like... Yes, you mean 90-something, because I was convinced she couldn't be any older than somebody who was born in the 80s. And she's like, darling, I'm 47. Yeah. She was born in 1972, and she doesn't look a day older than 35. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're forgiven for only giving me water on our first Let's talk date. about Melbourne, okay, Australia, the family moves. Okay, so the family moves, uh, it was in the late 80s, obviously. Uh, South Africa was going through its transition. Uh, I grew up in a dominantly colored community. My family is identifies that way. Um, and it was like, oh my gosh, the Africans are taking over. We need to leave. And um, yeah, my mom and my younger brother and myself, we moved to Australia. My older siblings had to stay back because they were still older and they were establishing their careers and stuff. And they later on joined the rest of the family. Also a lot of my extended family on both my parents' side also um, moved to Australia. What does it mean when you say the Africans are taking over? What, <laughs> what did that mean? It was exactly, it, well, it was exactly that. I mean, we were transitioning at that time from an apartheid government, a settler government into a majority rule government. And the majority mm. rule obviously would have been black Africans ruling. So uh, this, you know, doesn't go really down that well with colored people or, well, 
four colored people during that time. And not only coloreds, I guess it was Indians. There was that huge exodus outside out of South Africa. I mean, there was this, like, they're going to break into your houses. These people are going to come and they're going to take people. over your house. Yes, exactly. The, you know, these people, you're going to have... No, kind of what's happening now with this whole thing when we talk about land expropriation without compensation. It's like this whole hysteria that we're just going to go and take over farms and mess up food security and just be, like, crazy about it and not take care of, you know, the country and the food security and make sure that it's a peaceful a transition in, to getting our land back. So back then it was the same thing. It was mm. that whole hyped up propaganda on we must be scared. And uh, because you had our races that were not mixing during that time, yeah. everyone was scared of everybody. Like, you know, we that, had yeah. sort of townships that were, you know, not too far away. And maybe there were one or two black African children that attended the colored schools that you. But, you know, it was still extremely still very segregated. And uh, so, yeah, I was part of that exodus at that time. We called it mm. in our time. or certainly at that time it was called PFP, <laughs> Packing for Perth, because everybody was yes, doing that. Yeah. Going to Australia being mm-hmm. the favorite destination. Perhaps the characterization of all of that was heavily towards the characterization of white people doing that. This story is, I suppose for those who know, is it isn't a novel story, but for me certainly it isn't. I suppose that owes itself to the circles that I keep. Mm-hmm. But the prejudice clearly is there. I mean, what you've said as the prejudice that would have led the Mateus family to leave is the prejudice that is just the prejudice. But then you are able to somewhat engage yourself in Australia, and then you find yourself in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. So you get to Australia and then you have like you have your indigenous people there, the Aboriginals. Yes. Who are not running, who are not owning their own land and they are also taken over by a settler government. And that's the truth, right? So you start asking questions because everyone there and then half of Australia, I mean the majority of the population in Australia, they're all settlers. They come from all over the world. So you do, you start engaging, even, I mean, before leaving the country, there was also that consciousness. I remember the night, probably about two or three days before my brother and I left to go, it was the first time I watched Cry Freedom. Mm. So it was like quite a moment of, and then when you get there and those images and all that were stuck in your head. So the consciousness started building, you know, uh, to a much deeper extent. Going to the States, I think, was the height of it because I went to a predominantly black university. What year is this Extremely. Morning, it was in 1999. What year was I in the U.S.? I wrote it down somewhere. Okay. Know, but 90s, something. Yeah. But yeah, it was in the ni- 94. Four ninety-five. So five or six years into your Australia. Yeah, yeah, stay, yeah. Yes. After that, so I went to go and study yes. there. I remember I voted in the ninety-four elections in Melbourne, so it would have been ninety-five, I think. Yeah. Yes. I, I was there, so that was, and because it was a predominantly black university. The conscientization. I mean, there was the black Alabama, mind. United States. Yes, I know. <laughs> Down south in the peak of red state, uh, yeah. yeah, the red, the rednecks. But what was the wonderful thing about the university is that most of the students that attended were from all over the country. So you, we found ourselves there in a red state, but not really mixing with yes, the locals. with the locals and stuff. So, and you also get to travel a lot uh, with other friends. So, yeah, the conscientization process um, and, you know, identifying the real struggle of what we're going through here in South Africa and Africa as a whole. I want to kind of like fast there. track the story a bit mm-hmm. because 
your move to Australia by watching, first of all, Cry Freedom, getting to Australia mm -hmm. and really getting to understand what it was that you were watching mm. and what it was that you were doing then, the reasons why you were in Australia. Mm. You voted. A year later, you're in the United States, Alabama of states. I mean, that is where <laughs> America's know, segregation like, policies were just about, for the most part, yeah, confirmed. Jim Crow laws and later day and civil rights movements and all of mm. that. And then you get to properly, now you're older, you understanding history, understanding politics, and it takes you back to the South African story, the developing South mm -hmm. African story. This is now what? Turn of the century. President Mandela is just about finishing his first administration mm. and things need to happen in South Africa. And then you decide, hmm, maybe it's not a bad idea to go home. Well, that was exactly it. I think I just had reached, I mean, I moved after my studies in the States, I moved back to Australia. Mm. So I worked there and I was in corporate for a good six years. And then, you know, it was also the pressure on me to get my Australian citizenship. Why not get an Australian passport? Like why? But at the back of my mind, it was that there was something I would be losing, like, it was a very personal journey. Like sure. I just refused to just do that. Um, and then it, uh, it yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I went through a good, I remember it was a good like two weeks because I took time off work. And I was like, I need to go back to Africa. Like I just needed to come back to Africa. South Africa wasn't my first choice. I had narrowed it down. It like was Malawi. It was Liberia, believe it or not. Mm. And then it was South Africa. I know I had like three options. And the only reason I chose South Africa was like, yo, that place, uh, Liberia is way far and I don't know anybody. And um, so I was like, at least if this thing doesn't work out and, you know, putting my activism into practice, my family's there, you know, and I'm not going to be, you know, shut out in the deep end. And, you know, here I am and, you know, the journey all led to where I am today. And I'm in politics. Who would out have of thought? interest. Why mm. was either of Zambia or Liberia an option? Not Zambia, Malawi. Malawi, sorry. Malawi, no, but I had uh, I had just narrowed down organizations that I wanted to join. I so see. I had it was those three. Uh, Liberia, it was I was really the child children soldiers, and I wanted to go and work with that. I had seen a documentary that thing just like ripped me apart. Like I think I was just in like another world for such a long time. Yeah. And there was also a book that I read. It really like gutted me for such a long time. Um, but I don't think I was ready to take that on. Those children were just too bruised. I think I would have just ended up being more bruised than what they were. So yeah. And the story <laughs> is the story of folklore. We <laughs> don't have time, unfortunately, to get into that. And for those of you who are interested <laughs> who it is that I'm talking to, I am with my co-host for this evening, Ms. Leanne Mateis, the EFF's Treasurer General, who will be leading the conversation. <laughs> She'll be leading the conversation. Yay, as I do. <laughs> with Ms. Sheena Swimmer, who's an attorney and head for the gender program at Witz's Center for Applied Legal Studies, also known as KELS. After that, at about 22, we'll be in conversation with Mr. Peter Creel, who's the general manager Independent Institute of Education. In the new hour, Mr. and Mrs. Klobelo of the Dukelo Foundation founding directors talking to us on Health on Monday about raising awareness on cerebral palsy, especially in African communities. Please stay tuned. The time is 2023. Ms. Leanne Mateis is now going to take over. If you want to converse with us through the conversations we will be having with our on-the-phone and in-studio guests, the number to dial 0891-104-207. WhatsApp voice notes, please, 0614-104-107. My name is Songa Zomabekwe and her name is... Leanne. And Mateus. We'll be back.